0: Welcome to the Not A Mommy Yet podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Fay. I started the Not A Mommy Yet blog and this podcast because I've always known I want to be a parent one day, and you might be listening because you feel the same. You may have also heard people with kids say things like, I wish I had known this before I had kids, or I wish I had done that. Hearing those comments made me think about the parts of my life I want to spend more time focusing on before I have kids in ways that will benefit me as a parent. So I started a list of people who can teach me about health, money, relationships, psychology, and more, and started interviewing them, and this podcast was born. Whether you plan to have kids or not, I think you'll find something interesting in this podcast for you. I hope you enjoy, subscribe, and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, hi, Beth. Welcome to the Not A Mommy Yet podcast. Thank you so much for being on it today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I was really excited to have you on because I'm thinking I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the environmental impact of our daily actions and it's really important obviously for everyone to consider them. But for those people who want to have kids, I feel like there's this added layer of like how are my current actions going to impact the quality of life of my children and future generations, especially if you're taking part in the development of those generations. So, um, so first, I—I I, that's why I was like so excited to have you on the podcast. But I really wanted you to kind of share with everyone um, how you became the climate and recycling director at Green America and a little bit about what Green America does. Absolutely, yeah. So I've been with Green America for
1: over six years now, um, and we are an environmental nonprofit. Um, that is based in Washington DC, but we're a national nonprofit, and we do we work on a wide range of issues. Um, but our core theory of change is to use economic action to create environmental and social changes. Um, so our work is all about people and the planet. For us, it's not truly green or sustainable um, unless uh, the labor practices of a company are uh, responsible, and that is you know having a positive impact on communities and um, things like that. So it's, it's very important to us to have um, both of those, the social and environmental um, components, addressed through our work. And we do this through a variety of ways. We support small green businesses uh, that have sustainable practices and try to lift them up uh, while also doing corporate campaign work. So companies that have made promises or commitments uh, to improve their practices that have fallen short of that Um, We mobilize consumers and sort of use that pressure point uh, to drive improvements and changes at different companies and throughout different sectors. Um, So that is what we have been doing and we've been in that space for about 35 years Um, so we're kind of an older nonprofit, but still um, you know very small and and a very small and passionate team here Um, and I began my work with Green America actually I used to direct a program called the Better Paper Project and we were focused on having publishers use recycled content in their paper so instead of using new virgin fiber from forests Um, to use uh, more recycled content and we um, I think ended up getting about 200 magazine publishers uh, over the course of a decade to um shift their practices, incorporate more recycled content. One of the more notable ones being National Geographic mm-hmm. had for many years been printing on totally virgin fiber. So we right. um, urged them to finally start using recycled content, which was a big a big move forward. So yeah. um, but that that program did um, we scaled that back because there has been a decline in publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but that is how kind of my work began on waste issues and recycling issues and through that work I was able to learn a lot more in depth about the challenges in our recycling system mm-hmm. um, and Trying to figure out whose responsibility is it to fix all of these right. uh, these things that are going wrong that are preventing it from functioning as it should. Um, and throughout that work and research, I kind of kept getting pointed in different directions until I realized, of course, it's all of our responsibility, but those responsibilities look different uh, based on the role we have in recycling and waste. Um, so that was sort of my my entry into into the issue area, and it's just been a full-on, uh, a
0: very passionate um, yeah. focus of my life ever since that sounds amazing I mean it's so cool how you got started that project with with the recycled paper I, I love that I did hear about National Geographic using virgin paper and for some reason I feel like I also heard Victoria's Secret catalogs are also printed yeah. on virgin paper <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For
1: years ago um, there was a Regular campaign. I want to say it was maybe um, Greenpeace was also involved. Don't quote me on that. It could have been Greenpeace, but a lot of the environmental NGOs uh, work together and very collaboratively on these issues, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of the one of the campaign efforts was to have people standing out front of Victoria's Secret in malls, mm-hmm. um, holding. Um, I guess, fake chainsaws or something to try and raise awareness about the clear cutting of forest that was going into their catalogs. And so, yeah, it's, it's always a very collaborative and creative approach, um, working yeah. with
0: a lot of organizations on this. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I love that. I think that's, what's going to get, move the needle, right? Is these, all these people oh, yeah. with similar efforts kind of working together. Um, Absolutely. well, that was such a cool project. Do you have any other like kind of favorite projects or initiatives that you've worked on since joining Green America?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we are doing a lot of work all the time, which is great. A big part of my job is to um, address questions and concerns and promote education around waste. Um, so I, I actually love getting people's questions about recycling and waste reduction and mm-hmm. helping find solutions. So um, it's, you know, so, sort of sometimes seems like a bit of a, like, member services, customer service kind of aspect of my job, but I, I love it, and I think it's one of my favorite things that I do. Um, we also have a campaign right now that we're working on to raise awareness about uh, the waste of paper receipts. Um, yeah. So we have a campaign called Skip the Slip, mm-hmm. uh, which is designed to help people think about the environmental impacts and even um, exposure risks from from receipts being coded in BPA mm-hmm. um, and BPS. And so it's a campaign to raise awareness about that, but sort of just to introduce the concept of interrupting these automatic waste processes we have throughout, mm-hmm. I mean, really just every day in our lives, we're kind of encountering these different um systems that are designed to generate waste and so it's it's another campaign that's kind of putting a pause in that like campaigns that are tackling paper cups and straws and bags and and sort of looking at these daily ubiquitous items and asking are they necessary could we be doing this better um and so we've been working on that campaign um for the last about the last year and a half which has been really exciting and interesting
0: Yeah, I actually, um, I shared that on my Instagram story and it's still on my link tree. If people tap the link in my bio, they can um, tap the skip the slip initiative to like sign up and sign the petition. Yeah, because I really do think, (laughs) yeah, because I I totally agree. It's like these systems are set up to just generate waste whenever I see someone like, you know, get takeout or myself, you know, it's just like immediately that paper product or the plastic that the food was put in it's immediately becomes trash and that's what like yeah. drives me crazy it's just it was made to be thrown in the trash and i just think that if people start thinking about products that way that they're not made to last they're not made to be held on to or to have in your life it's like literally you're buying it and throwing it away and i just think yeah, that's so yeah. bizarre um so that's an awesome i guess like first step or I'm sure one of many steps that's already in, in that's already happening to kind of change like disrupt Absolutely. that process, which I really, really love. Um did you yeah, yeah. did you always have like the um exposure to this? Like growing up, did your parents kind of talk to you about recycling and waste and where your food goes or your trash goes or anything like that? Yeah,
1: I think you know, I think a lot of it was um, driven by different Members of our household, Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the way my parents kind of came, you know, to address waste uh, was really guided by what their parents did. So what my grandparents um, of the generation that experienced the Great Depression and World War II, you know, their um, I guess practices of waste reduction. Um, seemed like habits that were developed during those eras of really constrained resources during those times. And mm-hmm. so I think um, my parents sort of incorporated um, a bit of those habits that they saw their parents doing um, into their daily lives. And so it was more about, you know, why why generate so much waste? But of course, this was also in conflict with um, an increased use of plastics and disposability, fast food. So we kind right. of had, you know, multiple different levers going on in our lives. But um, yeah. This is going kind to of sound kind of silly, but I, I, when I was a kid, I would watch the Nickelodeon channel, and they, every year, had uh, something called The Big Help, mm-hmm. um, and this was, like, a day where they encouraged kids to get out and get really active and do, like, litter cleanups and mm-hmm. um, other ways to help the community, and and that is one, of, that's, like, a very fundamental memory in my brain, wow. of, like, thinking, I got to go clean up litter, and so, yeah. like, getting some neighborhood kids together, and we went out to streams and parks and picked up litter and stuff and so i think that was you know an interesting time period because in the 90s we really saw a big push for reduce reuse recycle and it was really being concentrated on kids of that era so Mm -hmm. we learned about it in schools for the first time we were the first generation to really be hearing about this in a lot of different mediums and so i think um yeah, I think that was also a big influence. So then I would come home and say, we have to recycle, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And be a bit of an annoying kid trying to get my parents to, to do that. So it was, it was definitely like a lot of different influences, I think, that, that first, you know, steered me towards environmental issues. But I grew up in the South in a um, rural town, uh-huh. playing outside a lot, in the woods. And so my parents certainly... Encouraged that and really tried to cultivate the love and appreciation for nature with us, um, Mm -hmm. which was wonderful.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely growing up in that setting helps develop a stronger relationship, just of like simply respect of nature, which is, I think, really (laughs) important. Um, so, you know, you said you would run home and tell your parents to recycle and things like that, but now with this job and now that you're an adult and everything, how do you kind of engage your family, friends, your community, I guess, or do they ask you lots of questions? Like, how do you kind of educate them in a way that they're receptive of it?
1: Uh- Nothing has changed. I still throw temper tantrums on the kitchen floor. i totally kidding. It turns out that's not the most effective way to guide yes. <laughs> behavioral changes. <clears throat> um, so I definitely talk about this all the time I have friends and family who regularly will like text me questions and um ask me questions at you know dinners and stuff which I love um and appreciate that you know people are curious about this stuff and want to learn more and if I don't have the answer I do work to try and research and get an answer (laughs) for them but yeah I think a lot of it is because um you know I have a lot of supportive kind wonderful um folks in my life who know I'm passionate about this, and so they bring, you know, observations that they've made in their own lives, questions that they have um, already prepared, and I guess uh, when I was writing a book on recycling last year, that was really a time where a lot of those questions started appearing, and I was kind of asking, you know, what have you ever wondered about recycling? Mm -hmm. Uh, So really approaching it from a place of um, curiosity and letting them just share their own you know, questions, because I think people are observing waste and recycling so much more than we may realize and just kind of wondering things silently until, you know, they're presented with the opportunity to, to ask them. And so, yeah, yeah so I, I think a lot of it is really, for me, motivating from a place of curiosity, not trying to um, shame anyone for the practices they have or don't have and just really trying to help people see that, you know, it's none of us were, I guess, born knowing how to tackle waste. Like we're, we were born into these systems that generate a lot of waste. And so changing those systems is really, really, really difficult, but definitely worth doing and critical. So um, looking for opportunities in your life to, to make those changes and knowing there's always ways to, you know, improve and do better, but we need to balance that with celebrating um, what we're already doing. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the tone I try and take with friends is, really you know coming from a place of curiosity celebrating what's already being done and maybe suggesting a way to to elevate that that action a little bit in their lives
0: yeah i think that's uh, that's great advice i mean the one thing that i find it's hard though and this is i w- i want to get into talking about recycling now with you is there's a lot of information out there and it's like almost too much it's really hard to navigate and I've heard just a variety of things of like how to recycle properly and you can't just like throw the plastic juice bottle into the trash can. Like, I guess you're supposed to rinse it first, but I I just don't think everybody knows all of these things. And I know ultimately the goal now it kind of changed from reduce, reuse, recycle to reduce, reuse, repurpose. Like we're trying to get away from just waste in general, but when it comes to recycling, um, You know, people feel good about doing it, obviously. They want to think, like, oh, this product isn't just going to go to a landfill. It's going to somehow, like, have this continued life cycle. But can you kind of walk us through some of those, like, misconceptions or just, like, really great ground rules to know that we're recycling properly? Because that is just, for me, the hardest thing to navigate.
1: Absolutely. Well, you are certainly not alone. I think I saw a survey that said um, the majority of folks who have been surveyed thought recycling was more complicated than taxes and insurance so I mean it's like people are confused by the the different levels of information out there and I think you hit the nail on the head because we when I say we I mean just sort of the recycling system um for many years focused so much on just getting people to participate getting people to just like put stuff in the recycling bin Mm -hmm. um there wasn't really as much of a focus on where that stuff goes why we should do it and, you know, what what's happening on the other side of the bin? Mm-hmm. I think recycling is kind of presented as this magical box where you could put stuff in and, you know, it, it would fix everything and right. make the earth happy or whatever. And so, so now we're seeing this big change because so much of that relationship, um, so much of that, like, put anything in and we'll figure it out, was reliant on the fact that other countries, namely China, mm-hmm. uh, were purchasing materials in our recycling system that weren't great. They're not quality materials. They're Mm -hmm. covered in food residue. They're improperly sorted, stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. so they used to accept a higher level of what's called contamination and recycling. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that has been stopped for many years in recent years. China was warning uh, that they were going to stop accepting just poor quality recyclables. Um, And then a policy came out last year that was exactly that. So it's a very strict contamination limit. um, And that has been a big disruption in recycling system, which I think is actually excellent and wonderful because it creates a catalyst for looking at the problems in recycling and Mm -hmm. figuring out how to make the system operate more as it should to generate more environmental benefits so that's sort of where we are now which is it's a really exciting time to be in recycling but with that there's a lot of growing pains there's a lot of tension you know change in a system this large doesn't happen um seamlessly right Mm -hmm. (laughs) otherwise it probably wouldn't be very impactful change and so so this is um yeah yeah a really exciting time and I think so, number one thing to understand about recycling is it is very important to a circular economy. It's a way to responsibly manage materials. Obviously, it comes after reduce and reuse for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, recycling sort of like a disposal option. You know, mm-hmm. it's the most responsible disposal option we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always better to not have anything to dispose of to begin with. So, right. so getting folks to really focus on on the order of the three R's <laughs> for sure. Um, but also to know that recycling is You know, there's a complex system on the other side of the bin, and there are people that have to deal with the stuff we put in the bin. So when we are doing something called wish cycling, when we say, oh, I'm just going to put this in the bin and it's got some plastic in it, someone will sort it out. The problem with that is that the someone will sort it out part um, can create some big inefficiencies in the system. It can even pose some safety hazards depending Mm -hmm. on what the item we're putting in the bin is. Um, and it can be really costly and it can even add emissions if the object itself has to be rerouted from a recycling facility because it can't go with the current system that we have in our current recycling stream. So right. so it's really important to, to understand what the recycling guidelines in your community are and to know that it is sort of an organic process because recycling is so tied to markets because the whole goal of recycling Um, is not just to avoid landfills and incinerators. It's to have materials that we can use in new manufacturing so that we don't need more intensive mining operations, deforestation, other extraction methods like that. Like, we want to have quality materials to actually use again to extend uh, the life of those materials. And so the the quality of the materials we're putting into the system is really important. Mm-hmm. And so now what we're seeing is a lot of education, a lot of awareness campaigns, and a lot of work to try and re-educate the public on, right. it's not just about recycle everything and we'll figure it out. It's we're all working as a part of this system. This is a service that we need to make sure that we're doing correctly so that we're getting the benefits that we should be getting out of this system that we really haven't been um, at the
0: scale that that we could. Yeah. I mean, I I totally – that's such a great way of putting it, of, of like, having the high-quality products for us to keep reusing. I mean, that's so important. But, yeah, I I think just even knowing that I have to rinse out everything that I put in the recycling bin, that's, like, a really – that's something I recently learned. And, you know, you said before how we learn about it in school. I really – for some – I feel like we just focus on it in elementary school when we have very little power at home or in our lives. And I mean, like, obviously, like, you went home and told your parents, like, that's what a lot of kids do. But I think it, yeah. for some reason it stops, like, as we get older. And and I feel like absolutely. in high school it's way more, like, especially right before you go off to college when you're, like, now responsible for everything that you eat and bring into your dorm room or whatever it is. Like, that is such an important part of your life that, like, really I feel like that education should be amplified and not kind of muted from before. Uh, yes, absolutely.
1: I totally agree. And I... I think the the idea that, like, we're going to teach people this one time and then that's going to be it really doesn't really show how complex and evolving our waste stream is because when we learned about recycling or when a lot of people learned in in the 90s maybe, that waste is totally different than the waste we have now. Like, we've Mm -hmm. seen an increase in plastic products. We've seen more sophisticated items that are, like, mixes of aluminum and plastic and paper, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing more electronic waste, and so, like... The, the waste stream is constantly going to be changing. And so a part of that is just knowing and understanding that um, recycling and waste, is, it's not a static issue.
0: Right. Yep. Um, so when you said that you guys help kind of small businesses and, and, you know, big businesses like how you mentioned, I know this was before Green America, but National Geographic, like mm-hmm. who – you know, I think I think of this quote, always, it's just one straw said 7 billion people. And that like, totally hit me because, you know, everyone says, Oh, it's just one person. It's just me, like, how can I make a difference? But I'm like, if everyone just believed that their actions could make a difference, the impact could be so, so huge. And so I just wanted to know kind of from your perspective, like how much responsibility or like how much can people do versus big businesses? Cause I know obviously big businesses have a larger impact because of their, um, you know, activity, but I guess, would you say it's pretty equal? Like how much focus should be on the individual versus the business? Like, what would you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're definitely seeing this conversation popping up a lot, um, especially around the conversation about plastics, you know, mm-hmm. who's Whose fault is it? Who's responsible for cleaning up this mess that's like plaguing our oceans right now? Um, and and to me, I think we all have a role in dealing with waste, and we all have a role in um, sustainability. Mm-hmm. But that role looks different based on the sphere of influence we have, and like, I guess bluntly, the the amount of harm that we're creating. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. so I think that we have to remember that corporations, politicians that are making decisions that, um, lead to environmental degradation or exploitation of resources or communities, um, are also individuals and they're individuals with an extremely large sphere of influence. And they're right. currently using that in, um, in, I would say an, an incorrect and unjust way. And so, so I think it's about doing what you can in your own life and, you know, celebrating that, encouraging others to do the same, exactly like you said, kind of like spreading that knowledge, right? Like it's 1 billion people. And then that has to start with just sharing with friends and family, like encouraging other people and inspiring people to, mm-hmm. to be more sustainable rather than shaming and blaming them for not doing it. Right. So so I think that's one piece. Um, but also just using any voices or influence you have to, um, demand change to hold accountability to other individuals or entities in the system that are doing really unacceptable practices. So, I think we can do that. I mean, now with social media we can do that in ways we've never been able to before. Right. Um, yeah. Sometimes we'll have we'll see corporations that um, are making a change, they're, you know, committing to a different environmental practice and a lot of times they cite, frankly, our customers are demanding this. So that's what we're doing. And so I think, I mean, I think we have a lot of, a lot of pressure points when we mobilize together and Mm -hmm. when we're all chipping in and posting on, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and tagging a company and and applying that pressure point. Um, And also looking for um, businesses that are, have better practices to support. And, you know, the, the whole vote with your dollar thing, I also think means, Vote by not spending your dollar think about how you're investing your money think about how you're using your political influence um, are we yeah. going to town halls and asking about waste issues and sustainability of our elected officials like demanding that they create plans showing that we care about these issues and so so I think there are levels of influence we certainly have as individuals that can drive more systemic change um, but I don't think it should be up to us as individuals to Create a new system and implement it because we we don't have that sphere of influence necessarily, right. but we can demand and drive um, and be a stakeholder at that table to make sure that um, yeah our values are being reflected
0: um, by the people who were who we're holding accountable. Really, yeah, no, so, yeah, yeah, I think that definitely was... and all of the above. <laughs> yeah, it's very well put. Um... So for smaller businesses or, or any just startups, you know, now it's like 2019, everyone has a startup, including myself, like, um, you know, it's like a great opportunity with startups. It's such hard work. I'm like, it's, it, I really admire this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's a great opportunity, though, because you ha- you don't have to change any infrastructure that you've had in place for decades, right? Like maybe mm, Johnson yeah. & Johnson or Dove, you know, all these big companies that have like these factories with the plastic and it's all set up for exactly that. You know, that's harder and more expensive to change. I mean, s- they should still do that, but especially because they probably can afford to do it. But um, the point is, is that with these startups that have the opportunity to kind of set it up properly, um, I guess what, I guess I'm kind of answering my own question, but I guess being part of that movement and kind of speaking out, I, cause I do see businesses now saying we do X, Y, and Z correctly and they're like startups. So they're, they're already kind of starting on the right foot, which is, I think great. And again, goes back to your point of like, use your dollar wisely or don't use your dollar. But like when you do make sure it's with a good company, like And we'll get into kind of moving and stuff because I do want to talk a little bit about that. But I discovered this company called Sustain LA and they basically have refill stations at farmer's markets, but they also have a delivery option where you can get everything for your home from like cleaning supplies, shampoo, body wash, face wash, toothpaste, Um, tablets, everything that you could ever need delivered right to your door in reusable glass containers. And then they pick up the empty glass containers and drop off with the filled glass containers. So it's, it's like, there's no waste, right. And it's all liquid or soap bars or whatever you want. And so that's what my boyfriend and I are doing now in our home where I'm like, I'm getting the first delivery on Friday and I can't wait. Um, but it'll be, you know, it's awesome to just go into a new place and have no like to start off on the right foot. You know, with like a fresh start, which is, I think, great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mean, I think you're definitely right that now we're seeing these shifts in what consumers are demanding and we see, you know, surveys and, mm-hmm. and different reports coming out saying millennials, um, millennials prefer slash require uh, businesses to be more responsible environmentally and socially and so i think i think the tricky thing there is to still continue to to push and you know continue with that thread of curiosity and, mm-hmm. and asking of a new startup i regularly will email a company and say um you know it's really important to me that companies use recycled materials can you tell me more about like what percentage of your product uses recycled you know or mm-hmm. is it is it recyclable in most communities i'm concerned about this and so and i i Often will email before making a purchase or anything like that, or even companies who I've been supporting that I'm, you know, second guessing, like mm-hmm. to ask more. And so I think it's within our right to constantly be asking, pushing questions, because I mean it is really difficult for a company to be, you know, um, perfect. <laughs> Impossible, really, uh, to meet that gold standard right away. And so I think. Uh, using that lens of like consumer influence and asking and, and posing the question, I think can really present new opportunities for even startups to develop more sustainable um, practices into their into their work. And and because they're more open to it, like those are the ones we really want to, um, yeah, push and see thrive uh, in that space. Um, but I totally agree. There are a number of small businesses that are already doing these practices, are asking themselves the hard questions. Mm-hmm. Um, of, you know, where are the suppliers getting materials? How are uh, the labor practices throughout the supply chain for their product? You know, like really learning a lot more uh, than, I guess, sometimes traditional corporations even know about the full impacts of their products. So doing that due diligence from the start, um, I think, is, is definitely something I'm seeing in, in a lot of small businesses, which is wonderful. Um, the downside of that, I think, is we also have – Some businesses that maybe are trying to um, capitalize on the sustainability movement and, Mm -hmm. you know, do these practices called greenwashing where um, they're implying, you know, they'll say, this is a sustainable, you know, pair of leggings or this is a sustainable, you know, whatever, and Mm -hmm. um, not really give background information for that, not show the certifications on their website, not give more detail. Um, But I'm starting to notice that when I see those ads pop up on social media, I'll check the comments and start seeing people pushing back and saying, well, how, how is this sustainable? What's going on with this? Like, what do you mean by that? And that is just so exciting and cool to see that people are, are using social media in this way, um, already so often and like using that opportunity to really push a company to, to answer the questions, um, which I think is, is great. So that, that's something I've just been noticing, um, an
0: increase in just like anecdotally so yeah no I actually I'll comment um I get ads um for meal deliveries like thrive or oh, not yeah. thrive um not thrive there but anyway there's some that just like you know you get your three meals a day delivered and whatever and I write back I'm like how is this sustainable everything that your food comes in is in plastic like you're just developing more waste and meal delivery companies really need to like especially now because i feel like more than ever they're becoming so popular um but yeah. yeah but asking those questions like you said you know where you inquire with the brands that you either love already or you're interested in in purchasing you know i feel like we're the socialization process of us like in school we're taught not to really be that way. Like to ask those questions, we're not really like, I feel like in my mind, when I think about, cause I sometimes want to ask those questions, I'll be like, Oh no, I don't want to be annoying. Like, I don't want to be yeah. that customer right. that like gives a hard time to like the sales girl who like has nothing to do with the product development or, you know? Totally, and totally, so it's yeah. hard to yeah. know, I guess, I guess emailing the source directly is probably the best way of doing it, but yeah, it's, it's harder and it's definitely not instinctual to ask those questions.
1: Totally. I completely agree. Yeah, we, we really haven't, like, designed um, communication pathways that allow us always to speak directly to the person with the most decision-making mm-hmm. power. And so it's, I think it's sort of, you know, like, I definitely would not say um, taking time out of your day to yell at a cashier at the yeah. about, you know, packaging in their store, which I've heard some people will do, or just, like, leave the packaging, you know, like litter basically inside the store is kind of a form of protest. And I, I just always have to say, are we applying the message, the overall message we're trying to get through where the decision-making power is, where the, right. where the pain and harm is coming from, really, right? Like where the problem is, you know, or are we making the person right in front of us's day really a lot more difficult? And they're like, right. I don't know what you want to do about yeah. this. So I think that's a really good point. It's like, make sure, you know, that, um, we are asking those questions, but doing so in a way that like promotes positive change mm-hmm. uh, and make, and recognizing that the person you're connecting with, um, might not be the person who you, you should be yelling at necessarily, but yeah. <laughs> by posing the questions and asking that really, um, I guess applies an incentive for whoever that, you know, team member is to take that, uh, to a department head or, you know, like kind of move it up the ladder, I guess, of, of, um, conversation. So, so yeah, I think that's a really, really good point to make.
0: Yeah. And you know, on social media, kind of on that note too, I see definitely a mix of like doomsday messaging where it's like, we're so far gone. There's no way we can, any, anything we do now will save us or future generations. But then you like see really uplifting, amazing videos of like technological innovation and businesses leading the way. And it's, it really is inspiring. And so I wanted to ask you, kind of what what have you seen get on the local state and federal levels that are like some of those more exciting developments that just make us feel, like think that you know there is hope there's a chance that we could change and and that could just be you know like really grassroots or you know on the federal level with with laws and things like that mm,
1: yeah oh my gosh so much it's crazy and I think I I do think it's it's an interesting mix that we're seeing now and it I think in many ways sort of shows uh the different um attitudes and approaches that different people have towards a very overwhelming challenge frankly Mm -hmm. you know like climate climate the climate crisis is exactly that it's very overwhelming it's frustrating um it's depressing it's you know there are all these things that come along with it and I think we can choose multiple different reactions to it and some Some people are more inclined to pick that. You know what? Like, it's too. It's we're too far gone. It's too hard. Let's just not bother. Like, nothing's going to fix it. Um, and then, you know, the more optimistic point of view, the more hopeful, inspired. Like, think about all of the challenges we've overcome in many ways. Um, think about all the solutions that already exist uh, for getting us to more sustainable systems. And mm-hmm. um, that would be, I would have to say, uh, the the path I tend to take more often. Um, mm-hmm. And because I do think we have a wide range of solutions that exist, but there are uh, significant barriers, whether that be um, political barriers or uh, barriers through just the inherent. Problems with capitalism, you know, mm-hmm. like that are that are keeping those solutions from being scaled up at the rate that we need them to. So, so what I'm seeing now, I think, is this pushback and demand uh, for those barriers to be addressed or removed, so that these solutions can be used more widely, um, mm-hmm. and a and a demand for yeah, accountability, absolutely, on elected officials, on corporate leaders um, who are making these decisions and really applying those pressure points. So, so that certainly gives me a lot of hope. I think for me, it's, I don't just get hope when I see people with an inspiring message. I sometimes, you know, I also get hope when I see people with an angry, but proactive message too. Like there's a lot to really be frustrated about. And so using that anger, um, and fusing it with, you know, this hopefulness, I think can be a really powerful, um, approach by um, by trying to drive solutions so so I think there's there we're seeing a lot uh, through just the 2020 election honestly for mm-hmm. the, the presidential election we're already seeing candidates who are running for president releasing climate plans which is um, totally unusual and never <laughs> happened before right. the fact that climate change has already been such a such a part of this dialogue mm-hmm. and I obviously think it should be more a part of the dialogue but I think in the last election, what was it, maybe six minutes of debate time was devoted to climate and environmental issues. And so now we're seeing this push from organizations to have an entire debate session surrounding climate wow. issues. And so so I think being forced to be a part of the national conversation. And I do think the Green New Deal um, is a big part of that. I think the Sunrise Movement, the Zero Hour Movement, like young activists who are demanding this from their elected officials um, to protect their future... Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, is really creating a lot of powerful conversation in the political sphere. So, um, so that, I think, is really hopeful and interesting, and it's been interesting to see the different climate plans, you know, coming out from different candidates, um, but also to see policy happening at the state and local level um, that are, you know, the, the we're still in commitments, so to speak, like states that are committed to meeting the um, goals of the Paris Climate Agreement mm-hmm. set a few years ago that the U.S. unfortunately has pulled out of because of President Trump. Yep. Um, but there are a lot of state leaders and uh, mayoral offices who are committed to meeting those goals and have some cases, I think, set more ambitious goals, um, which is really great. So so I think we're still seeing a lot of really powerful glimpses of, of leadership on these issues. Um, certainly not from uh, the executive office right now, but um, but I think I think
0: that's that's really hopeful for me to to see yeah. the movement where where it is happening. Um, and of course, I just think yeah,
1: the grassroots movements that I'm seeing the expansion of sustainability being discussed on, like I said, social media and on different platforms is really inspiring. And I think um, it's the work that many activists have been doing to highlight and raise uh, the concern of environmental justice issues, climate justice, like really. Drawing the parallels and connections and intersections with these other social movements um, on environmental issues is extraordinarily powerful, and so I, I do think there's there's a lot going on. And so for me, I kind of have to when I'm having those days where I'm more more veered to the other side of like, yeah. oh god, I'm so tired. Like this is very depressing, and it's really hard when you hear you know, a million species could go extinct. Like you know, all yeah. these reports that are coming out. Um, but looking at the macro level, I do think about how many passionate people find this to be unacceptable and are demanding change with whatever levers they can. Um, and so I, I, think that's, that's definitely happening. And, and we're certainly, um, yeah, I think seeing a lot of that progress, um, although it feels slow sometimes and needs to be faster, but, but yeah. I do, I think there's a lot to be hopeful about. Um, there's yeah. one climate scientist and I was just trying to find their name, but, um, I think they, they had a quote that was something like if you read the current climate reports, and you don't feel pessimistic, you don't have a brain, but if you don't, if you see the action being taken and don't feel hopeful, you don't have a heart. And so it's sort of this like married thing of like, you realize that the problems we're facing and and in many ways have created are overwhelming. Um, and not acting won't make them less overwhelming. So we need to really just
0: look at the solutions that exist
1: and demand that they be implemented.
0: Yeah. And I know it like sounds cheesy, but like believing in yourself that you do have power to create change, and even if that's just in your home, like you still have yeah. the community of people who come to your home and see your, you know, kind of ha- daily habits and things like that. So it is really, really important. And I, I love that quote about having a heart. I think that's spot on. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. And I think you can um, exactly like you said. You know, the practices you have in your home when you use you know and it feels weird to go from this macro level of climate talk to the micro day-to-day decisions we make but but i think that really influences a lot of like what our social norms what we accept as a society what we're what the expectations are and if we're trying to shift from a um, exploitive disposable um consumer heavy society we need to see those social cues change and I think when people bring their reusable bags when people bring Tupperware to a restaurant to uh, take their leftovers home like people see that and you know it might seem weird it might seem strange but like it gives other people the inspiration and even permission I guess to to do that too so you, you can really inspire people just by like navigating the world making
0: more sustainable choices um as you know as you can yeah, I love that. I mean, I definitely try to avoid delivery at all costs. Like, that to me is yeah. such, yeah, especially totally. having lived in New York for three years, I really didn't get delivery. I, like, never ordered delivery, but, you know, a lot of people do in New York. That's, like, what it's kind of known yeah. for. And yeah. and it's so wasteful. And so, yeah, thinking about just, like, going to the restaurant, making the effort, because it's, like, it's just – it's worth it. And it. And, yeah, I just – it takes time, but it definitely does help yeah. keep us mindful and um, inspire others, I think, to do those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I just recently went through a big move, as you know, and surprisingly I didn't have very much trash, which was I was happy about. It was a very small amount of trash, but I donated most of what we had because we were moving across the country and the cost of moving like the plates and the cups and everything was so, so much more than buying new ones. And so I wanted to talk to you about um, kind of the best way to approach these like bigger life events of like moving, getting a new home, or even just like spring cleaning. And, you know, being mindful of that waste and, and what is worth donating and buying something new of or buying something used as opposed to throwing it away or keeping it and kind of like because I feel like cost is kind of it could be very prohibitive to be to make these more eco friendly choices with when it comes to cost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of ask you what your tips were in just producing less waste within your home. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think you know moving is, is so tough because it's it's already a strained situation, right? Like it's already stressful. Yeah. If you're even if you're doing it in a way that doesn't really think about the waste, and so so I think it's so. Um, wonderful when people take that, um, have that bandwidth, take that bandwidth to, to be mindful about like ways they can reduce where they can. And so, you know, I think there are, and there are companies that, um, or services that I think are popping up that are, that are trying to, um, reduce waste for big events like moving. I know there are companies that now you can rent, um, really like thick, sturdy,
0: um, crates from mm-hmm. and you know, pack in those and then return them and so it's it's like Yeah, uh, instead of using boxes. It, and I, Yeah, exactly. Instead of using boxes, and so it's like, if you have access
1: to that, like, sure, you know, like, look into those companies, like, ask, you know, about their environmental practices and and see if that's the right choice for you, but also just, you know, going on Craigslist or Nextdoor or, you know, whatever community forum you have and and getting used boxes from other people, I think, is a practice that people have done for quite a while, and and that's great, too, you know, just, like, emphasizing that reuse and rather than going to a store and just buying a ton of new boxes and things like that, so... So I think there are definitely ways to, to try and look at that and, and make you know different considerations instead of wrapping stuff in you know bubble wrap like explore. I mean, this is what I do when I move is I use all of my towels and clothes. Yeah, and we'll wrap my dishware in that and
0: stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's um, exactly like, you know, what I do. My clothes anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, thinking of little you know little things
1: that you can do like that 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 don't make your life necessarily more difficult doing like an already difficult process like there's a lot of ways to just
0: like use um, your material it's usually less difficult because you already have your clothes <laughs> you don't have to go out and get totally. everything it was actually funny that I, has been my experience it's I w- weird looking, but that's my yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I actually went to a box store and I was like, "Do you guys have used boxes?" And they're like, "No, <laughs> like, we sell oh, no. we sell new boxes." And I was like, "Oh, right, right." They're like, "That's what we do to make money." Yeah, I, I've definitely
1: gone to convenience stores and like corner stores, and yeah. they always have you know some like liquor boxes are very common. I'm sure you know. If, while I'm moving, it's just like a ton of used liquor boxes in the past, and so, like people are yeah. like, "Oh, what
0: she got going on?" on <laughs> exactly. Website. There's always, you know, definitely always, I think
1: materials that we can get extra use out of. Um, and so that's, that's a great way to, to approach it. And just, you know, when you're going to a new area, like you said, like going across country, Mm -hmm. um, looking into secondhand items when you when you get somewhere so always I think buying secondhand um or looking at options sometimes there are forums with like free cycle I think is you know sometimes a forum that's used in cities where you can go and people are just like I'm giving away my deck equipment because I'm moving across the country and don't want it so, yeah. so you may actually have some sort of like passing ship <laughs> of things like that where you can where you can get just stuff for free that someone um is also trying to to let go of yeah. a way That's that's more sustainable.
0: Yeah, we um, totally. So I think there are a lot of existing that. resources for
1: that, which are great.
0: Yeah, we um definitely have been trying to acquire things from family and friends yeah. who are getting rid of stuff because yeah. filling up an entire apartment can cost a lot of money. um
1: Totally, totally, and it's and I think also sometimes um, people do you know buy new things. I've done it. Everyone does it. Like it's it's sometimes a part of life. Um, yeah, and. I think there are ways that you can find companies. Like, of course, there are certain opportunities. Green America, for example, we have a green business network directory, um, the nationalgreenpages.org, which is a directory of businesses that are environmentally and socially
0: responsible. So you can go on there and, like, you know, search by category and stuff. Oh, that's so so cool. There are different...
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like, it, well, it used to be a magazine directory, but we finally have adapted it to the 21st century, and so now we, we no longer have a directory, but we have um, we have this great resource online for, for folks to learn about new businesses, because a lot of it is like, you just don't know, you know, you're, you, you see the brand names, you see the ads, and you're like, okay, well, these are the companies I know exist, but there are a lot of companies that maybe don't have that that reach that are doing pretty cool stuff. So um, another thing I like to do is when I, if I'm buying a product, like for example, um, a bathing suit Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something, and I will go online and Google recycled content blank, you know, whatever, whatever item I'm looking for. And sometimes I I really do find new companies that I had not heard of that are trying to use um, textiles or like upcycled materials and, um, doing cool stuff with that, um, so I, I think there are there are also ways to to learn more about these new companies that are trying to do more sustainable things through just like some Google searching around, yeah, um,
0: and which is which is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity there too. When you do have to buy something new, right? And then in terms of like your advice on establishing some better habits, like either in your new space or like after spring cleaning, if you just want like a fresh start. What are, like, some – are there habits that you have that you really think are, like, tried and true, the, the easiest ways to kind of make sure that you're being mindful of, of more environmentally friendly practices or um, just producing, you know, less waste and things like that in your home?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think there's – I think there are some great um, resources. I know that there are a lot of um, people in the online zero waste community that share – you know, are very mm-hmm. committed to – these practices and are regularly sharing like their tips and ways to address that. And um, I think there are also some folks who are really focused on the um, inherent privileges sometimes that are are associated with sustainable practices. And so, um, yeah, addressing those systemic challenges Mm -hmm. that many communities face when they're trying to do sustainable things. But I, I think it, it also touches on um, that, a lot of people are already doing this stuff. It just might not look Instagram perfect and like look like a sustainable practice, but just like reusing what you already have, like shop your house first and look at the stuff you have um, and figure out, you know, if you want to redecorate your house, Maybe try, you know, moving around your furniture. Try redesigning it, the stuff you already own, in a way that feels new and fresh. Like, mm-hmm. my boyfriend and I have done that, and I've, I'm actually shocked sometimes at how different and new our house feels,
0: but it's all the same stuff that we already had. So <laughs> I think we're, no, like, a good advice what you're really
1: looking to achieve. If you're, like, you know, I want to clean out my house and I want to donate a bunch of stuff. Like, looking into options for how to discard um, old electronics that aren't working more, you know, like how to donate clothes, um, how to donate books to your local library and things like that. So I think there are ways that we can um, put items out that we're looking to get rid of and also just use the items we already have a bit more mindfully. And that, of course, is is great for our wallets as well as the environment in many ways when we're just looking around and using yeah. the stuff we already have. Um, so I, I definitely think we can... We can kind of apply the reduce, reuse, recycle, you know, mantra we've heard for all of time, and give it really a new, refreshed meaning, and and recognize that when we when we do practice those three things in that order, um, we can really see a radical shift in how we're consuming resources and how we're using materials. So. Um, yeah, definitely trying to, to look for new opportunities and ways to, to practice those and whatever that looks like for you, you know, it's not going to
0: look the same for everyone. Right.
1: Um, so that's where the, the creativity and, and interesting, I think parts of sustainability and the, the exciting parts of it can really come to
0: life. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll, I'll definitely include that, um, website on green America also in the podcast notes. Um, cause I think that's an oh, awesome yeah. resource um so just for the final round of questions these are the questions I ask everybody um the first yeah. one is what mantra or words do you live by or do you like to live by oh
1: yeah I thought that's such a good question and I was like oh my gosh I feel like I live by so many mantras I I am someone who um for pretty much my whole life has um have has worked to manage um my anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, tendencies toward anxiety. And so I feel like my, I've got this like list of mantras that are all surrounding worrying and, <laughs> and yeah. behavior. Um, so that's, there's that whole, suite of, you know, like mental health and maintenance. Yeah. Um, so I always go back to the, the phrase, um, worrying means that you suffer twice, mm-hmm. um, which I actually think is from a fantastic beast movie, but it's, I think is a great phrase. And so I think about that a lot. Um, but I also really am guided by this overall principle through all my work, and I try and keep this. It, it matters how you get there. And so I think for me, thinking about how I'm arriving at something, how I'm working, how I'm building a campaign, how I'm you know, conducting outreach, like all of that matters. And there needs to be, I think, values and integrity in all aspects of that. And so really just not thinking about only the outcome, but also mm-hmm. the process and making yeah. sure that the process of things is is staying true to the outcome that I'm trying to achieve. So, yeah. So for me, I think that's, that's something I'm, I'm continually <laughs> trying to, yeah. um, or continuously trying to, to, um, improve and, and enhance in my life.
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely agree with that. Work. I agree with both of them for sure, but the, The worry one, I mean, that is something my boyfriend and I are constantly talking about is when you stress about something that may or may not happen, it's just like a total waste of your energy because it usually doesn't end up happening and then you just are anxious for no reason. So obviously it's easier said than done, but I think that's just an important thing to keep in mind always is just like you can handle whatever life throws at you, just don't anticipate it. Like just... Yeah. Just wait for it to happen because it may never happen, yeah. and that's what's more important. Exactly. Yeah. And trust that you can handle it. Like, exactly. I so much of it for me, at least, is like, you know, a, a shaky trust in my own, you know, abilities to handle things. But then you look back, and I, and exactly. I'm, I'm big on looking at the
1: data, and yeah. that's sort of how I approach anxiety. Is like, you look at the data of like, have I handled business before? Have yeah. I been able to handle difficult situations? Yeah, and come out on the other side of it, and if the, you know, the answer is typically yes. And so you exactly. can just like rely on your own strength and capability. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Definitely easier said than done, but it's good to like, remember that and remind
0: yourself of that every day. I feel like. Absolutely. I think that's a good thing to wake up and say to yourself <laughs> in the mirror too. Yeah. If you, if you do <laughs> yeah, that, I'm working yeah, on that yeah. right now is like looking in the mirror. I barely ever do it cause it's just hard to get into the habit, but just like talking to mm-hmm. myself in the mirror. Cause I don't really do a lot of self-talk like that. Like, everything's kind of in my no, head. Either. It's not really yeah, out loud. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think saying I, it out I loud. I love that. That's a really good thing to do. I should try and do that too. You've inspired me to do that more. <laughs> it, uh,
1: adds, I think, a level of yeah, power to those words. So. Yeah.
0: Um, and then the second question is, we all know it takes a village to raise kids. And even if you don't want to have kids, what do you most value in, commun- in a community or friends and or family who could, you know, be part of that village of people? And if you are like an aunt or a cousin of small children, you know, kind of what are you most focused on in passing on to those kids um, in yourself, but also in the community of people around them?
1: Oh yeah, that's that's wonderful. And I think, you know, we recently, there's a recent article talking about how one of the best and most impactful ways for adults to learn about climate issues is through their children. Like like parents, mm-hmm. I think, are at the very least uh, somehow, you know, open or receptive to when their kids talk about it. Not the case for every family, obviously, but but that's a very powerful way for, you know, kids to, to start becoming more involved in the world around them and Mm -hmm. um caring about the environment, caring about their impact and like trying to, you know, um, yeah, just be a part of positive change. And so I think I I am an aunt, a new a new aunt. My nephew is four months old. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. And so I, I honestly have not spent a lot of time with babies or children, mm-hmm. uh, in recent years. So for me, it's sort of like, I've, I feel like sometimes I'm asking my sister dumb questions, like, well, when does he start walking? Like there are <laughs> things about child development I just am still learning about. But, um, <laughs> but I think she, my sister throughout her pregnancy, um, and you know, in his, in his young life, uh, have been regularly asking, me questions about like waste reduction and things like that but also she's just been doing her own research I think because of our relationship because she has um really incorporated these values of you know environmental practices and reducing waste in her own life uh through her own work as a clothing designer even Uh um and an artist she's she's really you know transferring those skills into into this new role as as a mom and so you know for example for her um for her baby shower, she asked everyone to, instead of bringing cards, she
0: asked them to bring secondhand children's books, like their favorite, you know, book or whatever. Oh, I love uh, that. Instead of a card. Yeah, and then, like, you know, she asked people to not wrap gifts. She wanted, you know, none yeah. of that, and she <laughs> wanted people
1: to bring cloth diapers. So now, you know, they use cloth diapers. And, and looking for those those ways to, to tackle waste. Um, and I think she's just excited to raise um, raise her son, you know, with those values. And I'm certainly excited to talk with him about that and really, just, you know, learn what excites him about the world, like what animals he's going to like, you know, what, um, what, you know, does he like trees? Does he like bugs? Does he like rocks? You know, Mm -hmm. like cool stuff like that. I think, I think really just tapping into that, like natural curiosity that kids have and supporting it and encouraging it. And then, you know, marrying that to how they can, you know, take action to protect these things that they love so much, you know, and and really, really, um, yeah, just just really linking to that, and of course, not everyone, unfortunately, has access to green spaces while growing up, you know, kids, um, sometimes kids may not um, live near a forested area or a rural area, but Mm -hmm. I think we're seeing a lot of uh, community gardens popping up Mm -hmm. um, in major cities, which is so cool and wonderful, and even at schools, preschools will have gardens, and so, you know, I think um, there you can look for those spaces to to take your little ones and and just show them, help them understand natural processes and the environment and the earth and and how they can be a part of that. So, so yeah, I think looking for those opportunities to, to connect growth and excitement about the world yeah. and just learning cool stuff <laughs> to um, how we can take action to to yeah, live, live better in the world, um, for the world. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that definitely ties into my last question of, what do you hope to instill in the children of future generations, which I think you're obviously doing already, you know, with your sister and and just her taking on that responsibility for herself is so awesome. And, you know, when you said all that stuff about the baby shower, I think that's also so great because it gets everyone in her community thinking about those things too. And I always laugh, like I never give gifts wrapped. And I know like my sis, everyone like thinks it's so weird, but I'm, my sisters don't either, but yeah, like I just it's it seems like kind of, it's so wasteful in my mind. Like I'll use newspaper totally. or like a scarf or whatever. Like I, but I usually will like just put it in a reusable tote bag, and like it just won't be yeah. wrapped. And I think that's an easy yeah. way. And also, the tote bag can be a gift too. Like you know, why not? Totally. Yeah. So yeah, completely, I, I totally agree. It's that's I think so cool, and I love those ideas. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I think with your job too, like what you're doing is so awesome. With kind of impacting future generations too and getting these initiatives, you know, out there for the public to know about is so important. So thank you so much well, for being on the you. podcast. I really appreciate it. It was so awesome talking absolutely. to you. Um and oh, I'll, it was great talking with you. Wonderful questions. Thank oh, you. thank you. Yeah, of course. Um and I'll include in the podcast notes like where everyone can find you, but if you want to share, um that'd be great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a website um and it's just BethRecycles.com. Um, and it's pretty easy to find the contact form there. So you can just, uh, shoot me a question or, you know, anything you want to chat about. I'm always happy to, to try and do what I can to, um, answer questions and, um, yeah, talk more about waste
0: (laughs) or talk about how to reduce waste. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Well, thank you so much again, Beth. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Awesome. You too. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Thanks. Thanks.